I can believe it. Man, God, you made me to be pure. I'm going to speak it. I'm going to think it. And then guess what? One day I looked in the mirror and it was true. Come on, somebody. You got to start and believe. You can't just expect to get where you want to go right now without believing and thinking. You don't do that on your job. You don't do that in school. You don't do that in marriage. You think you're just going to wake up and have a husband or wife next to you? That's called a one-night stand. You all listening? That's called hooking up with boo. The only way you're going to get a husband or a wife is if you believe it. I'm marriage material. And it doesn't matter what stage of the game you are. Single mom, doesn't matter. Single dad, doesn't matter. I'm marriage material. I'm a woman of God. I'm a man of God. God's going to give me the best. He put it in my heart. I don't have the, the, the calling of Mother Teresa. I'm not going to be celibate. Come on. How many here believe God has a spouse for you? Amen. Speak it. Don't settle for anything less. I think a lot of what we deal with starts right there. Honestly, I could preach the whole message there, but y'all would think I was just, you know, wasting my time. But really, it wouldn't be. I could speak the whole message on understanding spiritual growth from the point of view of having it first in your heart. The cool kids call it manifesting. You better be careful what you manifest. You might manifest a demon. <laughs> a lot of them manifesting spirits, but it ain't the Holy Spirit. Amen? I got a ghost, but his name's Holy, and he'll kick out yours anytime. Amen? Bring that witch over here and let's have her manifest some stuff. We'll see what power they got in the name of Jesus. I love them. But listen, you can't just manifest anything. I'm just going to manifest my dreams. Your dreams could be the biggest downfall of your life. You know, you look at what people have achieved in their life and somehow they lose their soul in the middle of it. It's because success does not equate salvation. Just because you've been good at something, let's say you're here and as an entrepreneur, you started three Dairy Queens. That's awesome, but how's your marriage? What's your personal life like? What are you like when no one else is watching you? How do you think about yourself and others? What is your goal with those three Dairy Queens, you know? Is it just for your four and no more so you can have a condo and this, this, and that? you got to put your faith into action to believe for those other things now too. Some people know how to make money, but they don't know how to give away money you got to have faith to give away money now. You're successful. Have faith to give it away. Not be irresponsible. I'm not just talking about throwing it away. I'm talking about having faith to give it away, to be a blessing. you got to believe. We have to speak. Look at every time you've ever failed at your Christian walk. Where did it start? With what you believed, what you thought, what you were speaking? Whenever you lost your temper, whenever you gave in to your temptation, whenever your friends drew you in, where did it start with? A false belief. Man, this is not uh, something I can really deal with right now. I'm not going to go to God way. I'm going to go this way. I don't want the pressure of this. You know, sometimes we feel sin is easier, you know. It's easier to binge Netflix than it is to put on the Word of God and listen to it, right? But how many know there's a result to that? You're feeding yourself that garbage of Netflix. So what happens when you go through trouble, man? You act like that Netflix character. You act like that person instead of the Word of God. You can't blame it now on God. Please go back to our scripture in, in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 6. Go up a little bit where it says train yourself. Somebody say train yourself. You've got to train yourself. Verse 14, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves. So number one, believe, speak the word of God. Think on it. Don't compromise. Number two, go with me to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22. How many fighting, struggling right now to keep their New Year's resolutions? <laughs> Oh, man, I'm fighting so hard right now. My wife pulled out Chicago deep dish last night. She said, we had this leftover. We put it in the freezer. I didn't know you could freeze it. It came out pretty good, though, but, you know, she brought it out the freezer like it was a brick. 
We had this around Christmas time, right? And you just dropped that in the freezer. Amen. Man, I struggled, my brother. I struggled, my sister. Did I have it? Yeah, but I had it in moderation. I set a goal last week. I started at 232. I hit 224. I'm still going. Amen? But I felt it. I felt it. But here's the thing. In my diet, I can eat that as long as I don't eat the other stuff in, in excess. In other words, I get calories. That's it. Weight watchers. Count points. Count calories. So that was pretty much my calories for the day and today. <laughs> I had to borrow some from today. Y'all listening to me? I took a day and a half of calories and put it on that deep dish. But no compromise. If I want my goal, I mean, am I serious? I mean, am I believing it? My goal is to get down into the 210s. My goal is to get back that chiseled six-pack that milady would like. Milady would like a rit, rit, little six-pack washboard abs. Rit, you know what I'm talking about. And yes, I will take a topless picture. Your pastor has no shame. I have no shame. I will do it. You all will see me with my shirt off, good, bad, and the ugly. I've done it before. People are like, oh, Pastor, you shouldn't do it. That's not Christian-like. You mean we have a picture of Jesus hanging from the cross about himself buck naked up there with a loincloth? And Pastor can't take off his shirt? Where'd you read that in the Bible? Come on now. And now the ladies, well, we want to take off our shirts. Listen, that gets to be perversity unless you're feeding the baby. Amen. Because it's a part of our sexuality. Now, if women, you get turned on by that, just mock my post when I show you me going topless, okay? But it's weird when you say it that way. I'm sorry. I'll just show you my muscles, okay? The reason is, is because I want to motivate people, man. I used to be a big boy. I was 280 plus pounds. You know, when I lost some weight, I wanted to show off the good so I can encourage somebody. You know, we do it for Weight Watchers. I want to do it in church, but not here on a Sunday, Berto, you want to have a shirt off contest, see who can get down there the quickest? Pastors, yeah, let's go. Get all oiled up trying to win that contest, and then we'll let the people vote. You know, they say the joke between a pastor and a youth pastor, what's the difference? Well, it's 20 pounds, but I see you catching up to me now. You used to be a skinny mini Joe B, but I see you trying to catch up to the senior pastor. Come on. No, but man, I'm going for it. But here's the thing, no compromise. If, if Hey, listen, if I'm a calorie counter, no compromise, right? Well, it's the same thing in the spiritual walk of life, man. No compromise. What did God tell you to do? No compromise. You got to lay down the law. No compromise. Now, what happens if I sin, Pastor? You ask the Lord for forgiveness. You got to get good at that. But right now, you set it in your heart. No compromise. So for me, 2,000 calories. No compromise. That's it. I mean, I got to put it in my mind like that because the moment you make an excuse, you're going to live in that excuse. What you tolerate wants to dominate. You see, you got to stop tolerating that which wants to dominate. My appetite wants to dominate. So if I don't put it in check, if I don't crucify it, if I don't talk to it and tell it who's boss, it's going to always push me to the line. It's going to do that. That's what your flesh does. You and I, we live in this world, but we're not of this world. We have a power on the inside of us that can give us an advantage. So when I look at the people doing what they do for their diet and they don't even have Christ, I, I get, man, I get upset with myself. I'm not believing like how they believe. Because you could have a, a murderer, the worst kind of person in the whole world, go out and farm today. And they'll reap just as much crops as they put work into as the guy who prays eight hours a day. Why? Because the ground doesn't know the difference. The ground responds to the work. Is everybody listening? 
You as Christians, some of you are not doing Christianity well out there and the world's beating you up because you're not putting in that work. They're not Christians, but they put in that work. That's why they got money in their bank account. But the Bible said he wants to bless you. He wants to give you an advantage. I was talking about stocks the other day with somebody, and we were going through the scripture, and we were talking about futures and how if you have an idea of what the future price of gasoline is going to be or commodities, things that you eat like grain and milk and these things, they trade them in what's known as futures. This dude, he's college educated. He's uh, what, your brother that you came over with for Christmas or Thanksgiving? When was that? Thanksgiving. He said, that's just like Joseph. No, you said it, just like Joseph in the Bible. Somebody brought up Joseph. Was it you or him? You, man of God, brought up. Because look at Joseph knew that the cost of grain was going to get high in Egypt, so he started storing up all the grain when everybody was like, they were all eating it. He was storing it up so that when it was gone for them, he had the surplus. Somebody go, ah, God did that. We're supposed to have an advantage. We're supposed to be blessed. That's our heroes in the scriptures. And yet what? We keep making compromises. We lose our blessing. And then the world goes, oh, man, look at me. Look at us. Look at all the wealth we have, and we don't even go to church. No, you're going to pay for that with your soul. But then they say, but then why aren't you doing what I'm doing? If, if you're in church, why aren't you doing what I'm doing? I thought your God was on your side. My brothers and sisters, I'm not trying to make you feel bad for your failures. I've been there, trust me, and I'm even learning things in life right now, and it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks, but I'm not making excuses, no compromise. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, you were taught. Somebody say, I was taught. Amen. Thank you for those compliments, uh, TJ. It all goes to Jesus. But look at this. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and what? Holiness. Thank you, brothers and sisters. Therefore, each of you, what? Put off falsehood. Speak truth to one another. We're all in the same body of Christ. In your anger, don't sin. It doesn't say you can't be angry, but in your anger, don't sin. Don't steal. Do something useful with your hands. Verse 29. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for the uh, building up of others to meet their needs. Look at what it says in verse 31. Get rid of all, let's say it together, get rid of all what? Bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of what? Malice. Wow. You all understand that? I get it. But when was the last time you were bitter? When was the last time you got angry and you sinned? When was the last time you slandered somebody? See, these are our battles every day. When was the last time you were perverse? Keep scrolling down for me, please. Look at this, verse 3. But among you, there must not even be a what? A hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be what? Obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking. If it's dirty, I'm not laughing, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Now, for this, you can be sure. This is what you can count on. That no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God and of Christ. It's tight, but it's right. Let no one deceive you, brothers and sisters. Can I get everyone's attention, please? Please look at me. I love you. Let no one deceive you. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Do not be partners with them. 
Amen? So number one, believe and speak who God made you to be. Number two, no compromise. Number three, embrace repentance because you're going to be repenting a lot. (laughs) Come on, somebody. You're going to be repenting a lot, so you better get good at it. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. How many are good at push-ups? Because I might call on you even right now, so don't be ashamed. Raise your hand if you're good on it. Who's good? Okay, I got a brother right here. Anybody else? No one else? Yeah, you good at him. Good. Come on, brother. I almost want to have a push-up contest right now. But we'll be here for a while because I'm looking at these brothers. They're going to keep pushing. I can see. No, I'm serious. I can see. But here's the thing. They had to train themselves. They had to get good at it. I'm teaching my son right now. Lucas, raise your hand. You coming up in that push-up game, aren't you? My daughter gets them for another reason, but how many know she's coming up too? That's, that's part of my discipline in my house. Everybody that didn't grow up with a dad says, I wish I knew my dad. Ask her if she wish she don't know me. <laughs> Half kid. No, you love me. You love me. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. I hear the attitude going on. I got just what your teenage hormone self needs. Give me 20. Uh, I don't like it. 20 more. No, I'm kidding. Half kid. I'm serious. Everybody's like, I want a dad that loves Jesus in my house until you meet one. You better be ready for what you're asking for. We're really serious about Jesus in my house. Amen. But if I had a push-up contest, man, these men would start pushing. Ladies, you start pushing. I get it. You know how to do it. You put in physical work to train yourself how to do it. You better learn how to repent. I'm being honest with you. You need to learn how to repent. You have to learn how to accept your losses. you got to learn how to take the hits and the mistakes. If you don't do that and you have pride, you will stay in that place and it will wreck you. Unrepented sin will wreck your life. I've got some of the sisters and older brothers in here nodding their heads because they already are on their second marriage. They are already single mom or single dad. And a lot of young adults in here, you don't get this and you're learning it the hard way. We're trying to stop you. Listen to me. Stop right now and get good at repentance. Because if you're not good at repentance, you're going to repeat your sins. Now, notice what I said, repentance. I didn't say groveling. I didn't say penance. Go whip yourself, crawl up the stairs of a cathedral, do something like that. I'm just talking about knowing how to say to God, I was wrong. Forgive me. Look at what John said in 1 John 2, 1. My dear children, I write this to you that you will not sin. Sounds like your pastor today. Amen? Amen. I write this to you that you don't sin. But if anybody does sin... We got an advocate. We got a lawyer with the Father, Jesus Christ. How many know we got a defender? And he's never lost a case, the righteous one. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only ours, but the sins of the whole world. They call this in the business world falling forward. Falling backwards sets you back. Falling forward sets you up. Your setbacks can be set-ups. I'm not saying you make an excuse for your sins. Remember we just said no compromise. But I am saying realistically as you're setting that standard, you may and will sin and you better be ready to repent. If you get thrown off, listen to me, everybody here, if you get thrown off by a sin in your life so bad that the reasoning in your head becomes like this, well, I might as well just keep on sinning then because I already sinned, you will be stuck for a long time. The instinct that you and I must have when we sin and violate God's word is, I need to go back to where I messed it up, repent, and go forward. 
That's it. That's the only solution. And if you're good at that, listen to me, brothers and sisters. If you're good at that, that will apply to every area of your life. If you know how to repent to God, you will know how to repent to your spouse. You will know how to repent to your children. You will walk around as a humble person. That's why when people try to come at me in arguments, you know, like I always call them spec inspectors. You know, we're correcting them in the church. And they're like, but, but, but you this, but you this. And I'm like, let me just save you time. I'm a filthy, rotten sinner without Jesus, but I know how to repent. So if you want to call out all my stuff, here, you're right. I will repent right now for that. You repent for yours. You see, but people who don't know how to repent don't know how to do that. I remember being in Bible college once, and the professor came to me, and he said, you have a reputation in the Bible school. And I said, what is it? They said, you cause a lot of trouble, but you are quick to repent. And so that's why we're not giving up on you. God is my witness. That needs to be our reputation, brothers and sisters. You might, you might, be, the, you might be like me, causing trouble. That might be uh, your reputation. I'm, I'm even okay with that, honestly. Even when, uh, you know, things work their way up in the church to my wife and I's desk and we have to handle it, I'm always like, but what's their heart? Is their heart to live for God? Let's keep working with them. Even if it's wild, even if it's crazy. We had one person lose his temper over a relationship in the church and punched a hole in my, in my wall right here. It was after church one time, and you know how people be hooking up in church, and, you know, there's always someone that gets their heart broke. You know what I'm talking about. This young adult punched a hole in my wall, in my wall, in my church wall, in God's wall, God's house. Surprised he didn't get struck by lightning, somebody said. Don't be superstitious, right? That brother was invited to come back if he did stuff right. We put up with it. Why? Because if he's trying, we're going to work with him. But someone who's done a lot less than that, we've said, get your roll on. Go on, man. We're done with you. Why? Because you can't force people to do stuff they don't want to do, and I'm not going to be accused of manipulating others. You get what I'm saying? And that's not even with, like, the crazy teenagers. I had a beautiful couple that were pretty much like senior citizens or close to it, like late 50s, early 60s, you know? And they had been going to church for years, years. I'm not saying like they're old when I say senior citizens. I just mean they could get the discount at Chili's, okay? That's what I meant. <laughs> or at Golden Corral. That's what I meant. Because I know I'm pushing 52, okay, guys? I'm about ready to be there. I drive around in my parents' retirement community, and I'm like, hey, what's up? And they're like, hey, what's up? And I'm thinking to myself, they probably think I'm one of the folks here. You know, like I'm just one of them because I got so much gray hair, you know? But here's the thing. This beautiful couple came, and they're like, well, you know, we did discipleship at our other church, and we're not really called to do that anymore, but we'll support you. I mean, they gave generously. They were great people, great marriage, great family. And we just said to them, you know, if you don't want to do the discipleship, this church is not for you. See, they rolled out because they didn't want to be transparent in their life. And here's the dude punching a hole in the wall, and we're like, hey, don't go. Stay. We'll work with you. Do you get what I'm saying? There's a difference in attitude. Someone that says, I've already been there, done that. I don't have anything to learn. I don't have anything to teach you then. If you don't want our discipleship program, then what am I doing on Sunday? If what I'm doing on Sunday doesn't connect to what, what we're doing throughout the week, then what's the point? So it doesn't matter, like, the, the outcome of how bad it looks to others. My question is, what is your heart? Now, of course, you break laws. That's a different thing, you know. But I'm just being realistic. Most people here, you're going to be struggling with sin in one way or another as you start your Christian walk. And then you're going to have to make a decision. Will I learn how to repent and trust God to wash me of my sins, or am I going to get stuck in the mud? If you learn how to repent of your sins, you will be, listen to me, successful in your life. 
This is what I always tell people. A person that's already kneeled down can't get knocked down. And then a UFC fighter is like, oh, yeah, he can. I'll take him off his knees and put him on his back. But listen to my example, though. If I'm on my knees, you really can't knock me down, right? You can knock me down when I'm standing. But if I'm on my knees and then that UFC guy tries to do it, I can kind of fold down, but you're not knocking me down. A person who remains on their knees doesn't have to worry about people knocking them down. I'm already on my knees. You know, without Christ, I'm dumb and stupid. I'm a fool. You know, and I'm not trying to make us look down on ourselves. Remember, I just said believe and speak, but I'm being honest. Without Christ, I'm dumb. I'm stupid. I don't get it. I don't understand how our sexuality works without God. Without God's insight to my habits, I have no idea how all this works. Go with me to Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. You think you do? You don't even understand your own self. There's things a part of you that you don't understand. Were you there uh, teaching yourself English, or did you just learn it because somebody else was teaching it to you? Like, were you there teaching yourself? You didn't teach yourself. Somebody taught you. You started thinking in English or Spanish or a language that someone else taught you, and you don't even know how you got there. Come on, somebody. You don't even know how you got some of the thoughts that you have. Does anybody here get a craving for uh, chicken curry? Most people don't. You know why? Because you didn't grow up with it. Now, some of you have had some Indian food, but you don't have a craving for chicken curry. But how many of you have cravings for pizza and things like that? Why don't you have a craving for chicken curry? Because no one fed that to you. No, that wasn't your birthday dish, right? But my birthday dish at Chuck E. Cheese was pizza. See, we don't even know where all these things came from that make us who we are. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Do you know why you get depressed the way you do? Know why you get anxious the way you do? Do you know why you have the attractions the way you do? People try to hypnotize others now to figure it out, and then they get desperate and say, oh, you had former lives. Oh, you can't explain it in this life. You have to go back to your former life. That's just not people that are just, you know, silly people. Those are some of the smartest people on the planet believing in former lives. People that believe like, like man, they, they had to come here from an alien, like Tom Cruise type crazy Scientology stuff. <laughs> Imagine that. We watch Tom Cruise are in awe. Anybody ever see the, the preview of him in the new Mission Impossible launching a motorcycle off of a canyon and then doing a parachute? Anybody see that dude? I just saw him do it. So when we make fun of Scientology, I'm like the only one that saw it, okay? Tom Cruise, you stink at promotion, I guess. But I just saw this thing. Oh, was it because we were watching a movie? We were watching Avatar 2, and it came up as a preview. And a part of the preview is just watching Tom Cruise for 10 minutes plan out the most craziest stunt that's ever been done for a movie, according to him. And I don't know how to check that. But he got on a motorcycle, drove it about 100 miles an hour, evil Knievel style, jumped it off of a cliff. This is what white people do, of course. <laughs> jumped it off of a crazy white people, you know, Tom Cruise. Drove it off of a canyon of some kind, and then goes into a parachute. You down to do that? You down to be on the back today of that? So we look at Scientology, and we're like, Tom Cruise, man, you believe some dumb things, man. You believe you came from an alien race that came to the earth, planted souls in a volcano, and exploded, and now that's who you are in reincarnation faith. I mean, that's what they believe, right? But hold on, but watch this. That dude just took his motorcycle and jumped off a canyon with it. He had some courage. So they look at us as Christians and all of our fears and all of our shortcomings and all the things that we're not able to do, and they go, why aren't you guys doing what I'm doing? Why do you guys get limited, li limited by your fears? When I'm, and I'm not even a Christian according to you. You say you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You say greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I was taking up a preacher. I won't name a name, but if you're listening to him, you know what I'm talking about. I took him up to the Hancock, and he said, oh, man, I'm going to get scared up there. 
because he's afraid of the heights. And I get it. But then he told me a story. He was with some brothers. He had just been preaching a crusade. He was with some brothers, and they wanted to put him on a helicopter. He freaked out at the helicopter pad because it was on top of a building. He said, get, get me down from here. Well, I'm not saying we shouldn't listen to him preach the gospel, but how many know you better get over your fears if you're going to show people how to live a courageous life for Jesus? I'm not saying I don't have fears. I better be careful. You'll make fun of mine, but you don't know your heart. You don't know all of these limitations that you have, but you need to start confronting them. You have a fear of heights? Go up to the Hancock every day and get a pop. You have a fear of heights? Learn to fly. You hear me today, brothers and sisters? You don't know how to, I said, do you hear me today? You have an issue with money, don't know how to budget money? Work and save up 5000 and put it in the bank account and don't touch it. Tell yourself, I only pay myself for the needs to, to, to cover my life. I'm going to put 5000 in the bank because I've never had it before. The people that I follow, trading stocks and all that, these guys saved up five, ten thousand dollars $10,000 and they were in their 20s. You say, I have a fear of relationships. Hang around people until they say you're not weird anymore. Seriously, some of you are weirdos, and then you get uh, you offended or bothered why nobody wants to be around you, and you have to understand it's because you're not good at relationships. Well, face your fear. Get out of your uh, isolation. Let us call you a weirdo and it not offends you. And be like, yeah, you're right, I'm a weirdo. I walk around my house as the biggest weirdo all the time, and my kids know this. I have so many proclivities, you don't even want me to start. There's a way you chew food in my house, otherwise it bothers me. There's a way that you encounter me in the morning. If your smile is not big enough, you're in trouble. Am I not telling the truth, Bethany? Yeah, my kids understand exactly what I'm talking about. You better say good morning to me with a pep in your step. Why? Because that's how I am. I understand that now because God made me that way. But I can't push that onto others and be harsh and all of that. I try to be kind about it, if you know what I mean. I try to be kind. But here's the thing. I learned about myself as I've gotten older. This is what I like. This is why I like it. And then here's how it works against me. I've been the Chad, the opposite of a Karen, but a male Karen. Are you listening to me? You can tell. Some of you can just tell looking at me. Of course, you've been a Chad, Pastor. Look at you, white, privileged self. yes. I have stormed out of restaurants yelling at everybody. You can ask my wife, man. Went to a restaurant one time. They didn't seat us for like 10 minutes. The place was empty. They finally sat us. The waitress didn't pay no attention. I'm like, all y'all stink. You don't know no. I'm like walking out the place here. My wife will tell you, man. All y'all ever. Just like a busboy back there. Carlos is like, hey, what did he say? It's like washing the dishes. By the way, I learned this when I first came to Chicago. Everything is Mexican. How many know that? Check out the chefs. Every restaurant I've ever been to, who's cooking that stuff? Italian restaurant, Chinese restaurant. It doesn't matter who's ever been. Who, who's your chef, man? We eat Mexican. Carlos is cooking in the back, man. What did he say? It's come, you know, he said we're all this and that. Because I just, I point, I called out the whole restaurant. Because you know what? I have a spirit of excellence. I want things a certain way. But listen. I didn't understand how that could backfire against me. I had to learn that in my adulthood, like, oh, okay, well, this thing that is a positive about me, my greatest strength, it's also my greatest weakness. So I need help in understanding how to do this. Yes, I believe I speak, and I don't want compromise, but you know what? I stunk at repenting when it came to the deep issues. Even my professors could say, oh, he's great at this, but you know what? When it came to the stuff that no one knew about, like me going off at somebody in a restaurant, I still made excuses instead of repenting. Somebody say, you're good at repentance. 
Thank you. Next one, ask for wisdom. Go to James chapter 1, verse 5. Practical steps to get solid food, y'all. How many want to have solid food? How many want to live Christianity the right way? How many want to train themselves to know between good and evil? How many want to finish the race and not get eliminated and burned up? I mean, that's pretty much the only, only other option we have. Look at James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be what? Given to you. Someone say given to you. Thank you. How many have right now some questions in life? How many have questions in life? Come on, raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. Okay. Uh, raise your hands again. Raise your hands again. Okay, I'm going to pick on, I'm going to go with you. Um, I want you to ask the question as long as it's not crazy, okay? And I'm going to put it somewhere here. Hold on, let me see. We're going to see this answer here, okay? Okay, you have a question you could ask appropriately. No, this young lady right here. Sorry, the young lady. Astrid's daughter. Evie, thank you. Always forget names. Forgive me. Okay, do you got your question, Evie? No? Who's got a question I can actually ask? Who's? Oh, you do have, yeah. Okay, hold on now. Hold on. Now I, now I got to get this. I do not want to give this away because I just found this. It's not Siri. It's not Alexa. And if you know where I'm going, do not give this away. Okay. Okay, here we go. Okay, what is your question? There you go. How many people, well, let's make it personal because that's just like a, I, want, I wanted to ask this real specific one about our lives. How many people have questions about life? So rethink, a question about your life. So I'm going to give you a second. Okay, Esther, what is a question you have about your life? There you go. Why does my life suck? No, I'm kidding. You have a great life. No, you have a great life. I know, I'm just kidding. Why do, why do I have hard times, okay? Why do I have trials? Let me just say it just the way you said it, sorry. And you can take my sense of humor, right? You know you have a blessed life. You're kind of still deciding right now, okay? Why do I have, this is why I don't do audience participation. No, I'm kidding. Here we go. Why do I have trials? Okay, here we go. Trials are often a normal part of life and can serve as opportunities of growth, learning, and personal development. They come in forms of challenges, difficulties, or setbacks and can help build resilience, character, and strength. They can also help you appreciate light's blessings and develop a deeper understanding of yourself and others. One to ten, Esther, what would you give it? One to ten. Be honest. I won't be offended. What would you give that answer? So a four. You know what this is? This is an AI. This is the new AI that they can talk in the conversation with you now. Chat.openai.com. Now, I want you to think about this. People will chat to the AI.com. And I was chatting with that thing last night. It sucked me in. It sucked me in. It really did. I was like, what is time? And then it kept going deeper. And then I'm like, you know me, dude. You know me. I was like going so deep with this thing. And then I even got like self-aware with it. And I'm like, how do I compare asking questions to other people who ask questions? I got like deep with it. And then the thing was like, well, I can't remember anybody else because they erased my memory. But I can tell you, you've asked me some pretty wild questions because it's got uh, topics everywhere. That's what in, its own, in my own words what it said, right? 
Okay, now listen to that. That's like you said, that's about a four. But how many know more people probably today are going to this than they are going to prayer? Going to Google instead to prayer. And I know my sister prays, and God is speaking to her how and why these things are happening. But if you want to grow up, you got to learn how to ask for wisdom. you got to learn how to ask for wisdom. If you didn't know something on your job, wouldn't you ask somebody how to do it? How do I do this? How do I do this? Well, if you're not doing something right in life, shouldn't you ask God? You see, God gives us practical wisdom. God told me, take out my earrings, and you'll stop thinking that you're a gangster drug dealer. And it helped. It took away my idea of an image of that. Now, my kid's got earrings because that's what he wants, and he made the Greek mother-in-law kind of cry a little bit. She came to me. She's like, Joey, come on. Come on, Joey. Joey, Joey. I saw Lucas's Joey. And I'm like, it's okay. It's a different generation. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm even saying this, but it is what it is. As long, I'm telling you, man, as long as he loves Jesus, he can paint himself, his hair, any way he wants. Amen. That's the way I look at it. As long as he loves Jesus, I can deal with the rest, okay? But here's the thing. But for me, the hoops in the ear was a no-no. Why? God told me. I asked for wisdom. I didn't watch TV and movies as a new Christian for over eight years. No TV, no movies except the Christian ones. I watched The Prince of Egypt like 20 times, man. I could say it like, my, like it was like my childhood favorite one. And I was like 20 years old, and I'm like, yo, dude, you all want to watch a movie? Yeah, man, let's watch a movie. What do you want to watch? Matrix was out, all that stuff. No, man, let's watch Prince of Egypt. And what was the other one? King of Dreams. Yeah, Joseph, and then they had the one about Moses. I am not lying to you. I would watch this with grown adults. Because I'd be like, I don't know what else to do. I just put on the Prince of Egypt, man. It's a jam. It's my jam. And that's what God told me to do. God told me not to date for three years. God told me to do that. Ask for wisdom and it will be given to you. Is God lying? No, he's telling us the truth. He said in the scripture, and go back to our notes, please, just so they can see it. He said, train yourself. Look at what it says. Solid food is for the mature with constant use. Have trained themselves to distinguish from good and evil. You can't diet for me, and I can't diet for you. i got to train myself. I can't marry your spouse, and you can't marry mine in the right way. you got to learn how to become a husband on your own. you got to learn how to become a wife on your own. Now, what about discipleship and church? We'll talk about that in a moment. But you have to learn these things between you and God. Personally, you get it. See, like right now, no one can shake me from those core beliefs that I have like about not watching TV or movies, you know, for that time. Like, I know I needed that. You know, uh, not having my earrings in. I know I needed that. That was what God had for me. There's nothing you could say that would change my mind about that. Now, I understand, like, people who have pushed that onto others, maybe they become legalistic and they try to give you their instruction, but you have to know it for yourself. Amen? Last, uh, second to last thing here is you got to learn how to cut off people and things out of your life. Matthew 5, 27. If you want to soar with eagles, can you hang around pigeons? No. You ever see eagles in the park? You ever see eagles around those pigeons? You ever been to a farm and seen chickens? You see an eagle there? No. And guess when that hawk comes? Guess what those chickens do? They start to run because they're prey for that hawk and for those eagles too. Where I wakeboard, we got eagles, little eaglets, and then they hatch and they become big eagles. Everybody comes to stare at an eagle. Why is that? Oh, it's the state bird. Well, there's a state flower. You stare at that? No. You don't care. There's something about an eagle that we like. It's majestic. 
the way its wings span, how high it goes, the way it puts itself at the top of every tree. There's something beautiful. That's why it was chosen. It wasn't chosen so we would all stare at it. It was chosen because we were already staring at it. And God wants you to be an eagle. But too often, we're hanging around pigeons and chickens. And if you look at pigeons and chickens, they make a lot of noise but do a little bit of nothing. Now, I know pigeons can be trained, but especially the chickens, man, they do a little bit of nothing but make a lot of noise. And then they're dirty. They're filthy, man. Now, the chickens, they used to wake people up, you know. But you know what I'm talking about. They're just loud and just all You can't even really hear an eagle unless it's coming to attack. But you got to cut out the pigeons. And I'm not just saying, you know, for those here, the obvious things. I'm talking about the ones that are good, but they're not great friends. You don't want somebody who just tolerates you. You want somebody who accelerates you. I have friends that tolerate me. I don't have time for that at this stage in my life anymore. I want friends that accelerate me. My time's too precious. Any moment I've spent with you wasting my time, I could have spent with any one of my kids. Amen? That's why I don't argue with people when they tell me who they are. I believe them. That's an old saying, but you need to know it. When people tell you who they are, believe them. When they show you who they are, believe them. When people can go two weeks without texting you and you have to keep texting them, believe that's what they want. Amen? I don't mean that to be rude. I'm not saying that that means we don't take time to help people. I'm just saying you got to learn how to cut things out of your life. Growing mature in the Lord means not everybody comes with you. And that doesn't mean that they're not going to have a great life or that you won't care for them in other ways. But you need to know how to cut them out. When I first moved to Chicago, I began to go back to see my Chicago family, my uncles and aunts and so forth. And then I would also be with my Greek family. And then I just realized when I go to my Chicago family, I don't get fed spiritually. It's, it's food, uh, you know, for my body, but it's not food spiritually. So I just cut it out. I told them where I'm at now. You can come see me. I don't need to come see Auntie. Auntie, you come see me. And she did come see me, by God's grace. She passed. And then the same thing with the other one, the uncle. You all come see me. You have to know who you are and what your value is, what your worth is. When you don't stand for something, you fall for everything. I know these are a lot of one-liners, but they're there for a reason. They've been passed on from generation to generation, and we have to apply them to our spiritual life. When we don't take those stands in our life, those things become like weeds. And then we're doing counseling, and we're trying to figure out where those weeds are at, and then you get that aha moment, but you should have known that before. You should have trained yourself. You, you know, you, my last one is going to be discipleship. But you don't need a discipler to tell you what's holding you back. You need to know what's holding you back. You have to be able to figure that out. You have to take time with the Lord. And I'm not saying you're going to have every answer at the beginning of that time. But remember, when you start praying, there are going to be answers. And you got to be ready to hear those answers. I remember when my wife and I, we were looking to buy a house and to settle into a community. And we had a budget. And every place we looked, it just didn't feel right for that budget. It was, you know, like a year ago, and everything is just like way overpriced. And I'm like, man, I just don't feel right about this. But the whole time we're doing it, it's the, the place where we're renting, it felt right. But it's smaller, you know. Like I got six kids. It barely fits all of our kids. You know, the garage uh, people, <laughs> I had this guy come and look at my garage. He had to put in a thing so I could charge my car. And he's like, uh, he teased me. He said, you're going to have to clean out your garage for me to do this. And I was like, oh, man, are you serious? And then, and then he was like, no, I'm just kidding. You have to clean it out. Because I got like 10 bikes. I, I mean, it's organized, but it's an organized mess, okay? Because like each one of the kids have a bike. We got the lawnmower and all these things. But listen to me, my brothers and sisters. I have to make a decision to cut stuff out if I want to make room for what's new. When I go into that garage, what am I going to take out? What am I going to switch out of there? 
And see, a lot of you have a cluttered life. You don't have a way to organize yourself. So anyways, we were looking at this house, and they had these big garages. They had all these things. But I'm beginning to understand, oh, you know what? That nice garage would be awesome, but I, if I cleaned out my garage, I could have enough space. I could save money. How many are like frugal like that? And then I'm like, yeah, this has a separate office on a different floor, but I bet if I make my office on this floor fly, I could get exactly what I want out of that basement office. And then we began to think, well, if the kids do this and they switch around and the boys go here, and, and I just began to think, and listen, as God is my witness, because I have the mic, my wife didn't believe me. She didn't want to stay in that house. She wanted us to take that huge leap of faith. She was having those dreams like coming on up. She was like coming on up. And it was scaring me. It was like putting shivers down my spine. I was like, baby, I don't know if you know what that kind of payment is, you know. But she's like, I just love it. We looked at this one master bed. It had its own sink in the bedroom with a coffee stand. And she's like, I just love it. And I'm like, here's our budget. Here's this thing. It's like squeak. It's like barely any. You couldn't even put a piece of paper in between the budget and how much that house cost. If anything went wrong in that deal, there goes the budget, right? But what happened? We began to pray. Ask God for wisdom. And we had to cut that out and know that that, what, that place that we were renting that whole time was our house. But here's the thing. It came, that word came in a moment. And if I wouldn't have heard that word, I would have missed everything God was saying. It was just a simple word. This house is yours. That was it. And I didn't believe it at that point because I had gotten on what my wife was on. And me and the landlord, we were fighting. You want to know what this guy did to me? Somebody say, tell us. I'm going to tell you without slandering, okay? This man told me I had to be out in 30 days in the middle of the biggest housing shortage we've ever had. I said, bro, we have been here for almost seven years, never missed a payment. He has even said to me, your house is cleaner than my house and cleaner than it ever was when I lived here. I said to him, I'll pay you double the rent, but this little piglet, and that's what I will say, I do have permission by the Holy Spirit to say it because I called him that, because I, I did have a talk with him, and I was right. I did not send him my anger. This little piglet... No, I didn't call him a piglet. I called him a filthy sinner. I called him a filthy sinner. Then I, I called him one of those, filthy sinner or a piglet. I called him something. That's, that's, that's when you're getting cursed out by a Christian, okay? That's the words we use, you piglet, you filthy piglet. I said to him, I'll pay you double because I don't even have a place to go. I was looking at renting Airbnbs for like five Gs for a month. This guy was going to put me out. Now, come to find out the lawyer said he couldn't do that, and some of you all have already experienced that. No, I don't let him put me out. I stay for 90 days until I get this, this, and that. It, trust me, Pastor, you could have gotten away with a whole lot there. No, no, no. I didn't want to give that guy the credit of doing that, so I was like, man, I was upset. So I, I called him a piglet, filthy sinner, whatever. I had to come back to that dude through the realtor and give him an offer. I'm thinking, Nancy... I think we're not going to stay here anymore, and it was the will of God, but we better be prepared for some repentance because, God, we missed you, so help us out. That's where I thought I was headed. But you know what? He accepted our offer, and when the deal was closed, we had over $15,000 of equity from what we paid in that house. God must have touched his heart. I don't know, man, because I was speaking what I thought was truth to him. I was speaking my truth to power. 
He might have just said, you know what? They've been good to us. Let's not fight over the 15 Gs, that, you know, the value. Let's just sell it for this. And, now, and we got to take that equity with us into the new deal. But you know what? You got to be ready to cut stuff out. You have heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully, lustfully has already committed adultery with her in, her heart, in his heart. If your right hand causes you to sin, do what with it? Gouge it out and do what with it? Throw it away. Somebody say, throw it away. Thank you. It is better for you to lose one part of your body and for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go to what? Hell, somebody. Abandoned altar workers, would you come, please? Last point, discipleship, because you're going to need help doing these things. It's not a baby to ask for help. As a matter of fact, it takes an adult to ask for help. I've noticed this growing up, uh, watching my kids grow up, that it's hard for them to ask for help. It is. Think about it. Teenagers, young adults, even children. It's hard for them to ask for help. I was playing with Titus the other day, and uh, we were doing something. He didn't need my help. He just, no, I don't need your help. And then eventually he was like, I need your help. So listen to me. A sign of maturity is being able to ask for help. Discipleship, Matthew 28, 18 and onward. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I really sense in my heart today, brothers and sisters, that you need help with this, because I do too. I wouldn't be where I'm at today without people taking their time and showing me what it looks like. I hope through all of my losses you can get some wins. Because there's two ways to learn it, as the old timers used to say, the hard way, thank you, my brother, and the easy way. How many want to learn things the hard way? I don't. How many want to avoid some bumps along the road? How many want to get there, especially young adults here, how many want to get your first marriage right and not have to learn on your second? How many of you young people right here want to learn how to be a father before you get a girl pregnant? Many of my friends, they had to learn to be fathers with a pregnant girl. Learn to be a father first, then get a, a, a wife pregnant. The idea is spiritual maturity takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. But if you're willing to do it, it will work. If you put in the time and the effort, you'll see Christianity offers you things that the world hasn't given you. Yes, the world has given you some of those truths, and remember, they all come back to God. But the things that you learned here today... You're not going to find from Oprah, Andrew Tate, the Kardashians. You're not going to find from your favorite musician. You're not going to get from the CEO talk, Grant Cardone. You're only going to get this from Jesus. And guess what? It starts the moment you get serious with him. If you're serious with God today and you want to start that journey, these brothers and sisters will be up here to pray with you. They'll invite you into their homes and to take you out for lunch, and they'll start that process where you can realize, man, spiritual growth is for me, and you can start to believe it. Because that's where we started, wasn't it? Believing and speaking it. That's where you start. But you never, you never get away from that. You do that through all of these phases, all of these different things, all of the, the, the cutting off and all of the, the disciplines that you're going to add into your life. You just remember it all started with faith. It started with faith. And I remember hearing people that were 20-plus years in the Lord tell me their testimony. And I remember thinking to myself, I can't even imagine myself being like that. But God told me how to dream. And so I started dreaming and believing and speaking. I will be a man of God. I will not quit. 
I will serve the Lord. I will be a husband. I will be a father. And those things have come to pass. And you know what? I apply those same things in everything I learn in life. When I was getting my doctorate degree, I got so discouraged, man. I dropped out twice, and I tried to quit the third time. And my wife stopped me. My mentor stopped me and said, you have gone this far. Why stop now? And I'm like, man, the work, the, the, the professors, it's just, it's just not what I ever thought it was. I had in my mind, honestly, and I know it's getting late, but please hear this. I thought when I was getting my doctor degree as a theologian, I thought I would be sitting around with like these awesome men and women of God and would we, we'd be contemplating the Trinity and the things of God. I was doing the opposite of that. I was reading all about men and what men said and what this man said and what that man said. It got to the point, I'm like, man, if I wanted to read what men said, I would have stayed home. I want to know what God said. This is honest to God truth. I was taking a class on how to preach like the disciples did in the New Testament. You would think we would start by reading the New Testament and how the disciples actually preached. The honest to God truth. We didn't even talk about the disciples. I literally asked the author. The author of the textbook was in our class. They would come and hang out with us because we're peers with them. You know, just one year or two years removed. And I said, why are we not talking about the apostles? Why are, He was going into the, the Greco-Roman history and the, uh, the art of rhetoric and all of these things of that time and how it compared to the rhetoric of the people of the, uh, the Middle East and how the culture of the, of the Greeks and Romans was different than the culture of the Semitic people. I mean, it was deep. It was interesting. But I said, your book is like how to preach like they did in the New Testament. I said, I've been in this class. It was like the third day. I said, we haven't, in like eight-hour days, we haven't even brought up the disciples yet. We haven't even looked at the book of Acts. I said, don't you think that's strange? And my wife will tell you, man, I wanted to quit. I was done. I was so angry. I'm like, I'm pain. They got mad at my question, too. We got into an argument. And I'm like, dude, you're not even doing this for free. I am paying you thousands of dollars. But you know what my wife said? You know what my mentor said? They said, you've got to see beyond it. Do you believe you're a doctor? Do you believe you're a doctor? And I had to close my eyes because my earth and my world didn't show it in front of me. And I had to close my eyes and go, yeah, I see myself with a doctorate degree. Then you get back up, you go back in there, and you get it done. And I quit that school and went to a new school. <laughs> and I got it done. Are you listening to me? I got it done because I was this close to not seeing myself as a doctor. And you know why that's important? Is because when we started this Bible college, after we started it, we found out that one-third of our classes have to be taught by someone with a doctorate degree. Do you know one? Here's one. God said, I got you. But you don't quit now. You don't give up now. You close your eyes and you speak it. And I had mentors telling me, I've been through these moments, man. You don't quit at this time. You, there's times to walk away, but this is not your time. And brothers or sisters, that's what maturity looks like. That's when you go back and you push that weight. That's when you go back and you get on that diet. That's when you go back. We know that's how it works in the world, but why don't we do that spiritually? We expect, we expect that's how it goes in the gym. You, you ask anybody that has the physique you and I want right now. You ask them, how did you get this? And if they say genetic, slap them. No, I'm kidding. If they say anything other than work hard, then say, what are you taking? Herbal life? You know, come on. No, what are they going to say back to you? 
And I come here three hours a day. Discipline. I don't eat what you eat, Joe. I don't eat it. You eat it, I don't eat it. You know, that's what they're going to tell you. You see anybody that has money in the bank account like the one you want? Ask them if they spend it like the way you spend it. Right now, you make this much. You're spending 50%. They tucked it away. They tucked it away. They tucked it away. They saved. They saved. They took calculated risk. And then we have the audacity as Christians to just tell them they're going to hell. Well, you know what? It doesn't matter. You know, you're going to hell anyway. No, we need to stop and respect what the Scriptures say. The Scriptures say the people of this world are oftentimes wiser than the children of the light. They take more serious what they're doing because that's all they got. You know, that's all they got, man, is this world. So they're not thinking about heaven. They're not thinking about that. So they're going all into those things, and they're going to get it. And I'm not saying everybody in the world is going to get it, but you know those ones I'm talking about. And then we're sitting back here letting the world pass us by when this is our God's world. We build castles. We build hospitals. You can't hardly find a hospital that doesn't have a saint's name in front of it. You ever been to Muhammad Hospital? You ever been to that one? You ever been to Buddha's Hospital? But how many of you have been to a hospital that got a saint in front of it? That's your people. Your people did that. Your people did that. That's us. That's us, man. But it takes maturity. It takes hitting those goals. And so when we get on to the rest of the theology, because trust me, Hebrews is going to get deep. When we get to the rest of it, notice that this man, this apostle, who I believe is Paul, took a moment to say, get your life right, man. I got man, I got to stop right now. I wish I could talk more about these things with you guys, but I can't because you don't want to understand. Please just put it up there in the notes so they can see it. He says, you know, I got so much more to say to you. Scroll up a little bit, please. I got so much more to say to you, but you're you're making it so hard because you don't want to understand. You should be teachers. You should be having Bible studies in your house. You should be 101 leaders. You should be 201. You should be joining out others and preaching, but you need now somebody to teach you. I got people in the church been in 201 for five years, man. It's a 12-week book. Hello? It should only take you a half of a year. But I got people stuck in it because they don't want to do the right thing. Same thing. I've had people in this church for years don't have a Bible study in their house. I got others here, man. They, don't, they, they went to Bible college. They don't even want to be a pastor. I started pastoring at 22. They have more knowledge and wisdom in their pinky than I had when I first started. But they don't want to take risks. They don't want to live by faith. They don't want to believe it. My brothers and sisters, don't stay elementary. Come up and watch what God will do this year. Because I want to hear testimonies of you winning your neighbors to the Lord, Bible studies starting, promotions on your job. You know, I want to see us do what the Lord told us to do. Because if you scroll down to the bottom at the end, it says faith and patience. All the way to the end of this passage, please. Faith and patience will get her done. All those points that I said, faith and patience. And you'll see what God promised. Well, I haven't seen what God promised. Did you have faith and patience? Did you train yourself? Well, it didn't work for me. Did you have faith and did you have patience? We had a single mom come here. She was like dating all these dudes. This one dude didn't even love the Lord. She ended up leaving the church because she got offended. And it's like, well, you know, you guys are too hard on us. I'm like, man, you can't date a non-believer. Have faith and patience. What do you think's going to come out? Haven't you already tried unbelievers? Is that why you got three baby daddies already? Why don't you try to have some faith and patience? Are you listening, brothers and sisters? We as pastors can't fix you. But we can bring you to the healer. And that's where I'm going to be. When you find me this year, being all that I can be, 2023, you're going to find me with faith and patience. You're going to find me on my knees because you can't knock me down. 
Well, Pastor, you're still in the storefront. All right, so what? I'm still serving Jesus, though. You're on your second marriage, Pastor, big pastor name, whatever. Well, you're this and that. Man, I don't care what you say about me. Faith and patience, that's what I'll be here for. As I just told that testimony about a $5,000 check, faith and patience. People giving me stuff, and I'm not even asking. I'm not even asking. You're giving me stuff, I'm not even asking. Why? Because God sees in us faith and patience. Brothers and sisters, it's time to succeed. Amen? Can we stand up and give it up for Jesus? Hallelujah. Father, no more babies in the church. We pray for spiritual maturity to come in the name of Jesus. We pray for faith and for patience to work all those things you said we need to do. Right now with hands raised, come on, surrender it to God. Come on, surrender it to God. What do you got to let go of in your life? If you're not a Christian yet, surrender your soul to God and say, Jesus, you're my Lord. You died on the cross. You paid the price. I want to live for you. If you're already a Christian but you're not putting him first, right now, surrender it. Surrender it. You better get good at repenting. Come on, let's go. Surrender it. Lord, forgive me. Help me. Change me. My life for your glory. Never the same again. From the oldest to the youngest. Father, everyone here, bring us to another level with you. Keep your word, oh God. Keep your word, oh God. Every struggle in marriage, lift up your marriage right now to the Lord. Everyone struggling with mental health, lift up your mind to the Lord. Everyone struggling financially, lift up your needs to the Lord. The world won't outdo me in Jesus' name. They won't outdo me. Andrew Tate won't outprosper me. I'm going to do more the right way than he did the wrong way in Jesus' name. And when I have it, I won't lose it. Come on, the Bible says he gives us success. The Bible says he hears our prayers for wisdom. Who needs wisdom today? Wisdom. Wisdom in the name of Jesus. Wisdom. I pray as you begin to come, we'll dismiss. You can come forward. I pray no matter if you stay or you go today for uh, prayer or not, that you meant what you did here. But if you need extra prayer, feel free to stay. Join a life group. Get in discipleship. Watch what God will do. Amen. Can we give it up for Jesus today? He blessed you. Are you blessed? You are dismissed. Come feel, for, uh, uh, feel free to come forward and get prayer. Otherwise, we'll see you at those life groups at evangelism. Give Rudy some ideas how to spend that money. You got some ideas for the West Side? Come on. $1,600. Let's go. Jesus, be with our young people. Teach them your word. Be with our moms and dads. If you need prayer, come on up. If, if they're all busy, wait for the next one. It's okay. We're not in a hurry.